Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I did everything I wanted to do regardless of what God said. I, I was like, that looks fun. I'm going to do that. I did that. And then I got saved and I was like, God, I'm going to do it your way. And I, I'm, I'm going to just spill the beans, right? When I did everything I wanted to do, I was not happy. I have moments of happiness, but it was fleeting. I learned this, that the, the things I did to make myself happy always had a price tag on them. Who can, who can, who can concur, right? Yeah, I, I did it, it was fun, and then, and then the price tag came. And then it was like, oh man, I gotta pay that. Sin is only temporary pleasure. When you choose to sin, you might feel really good in the moment, but that's it. It won't last for long, and you won't find true happiness. It'll eat away at you. Your thirst for sin will grow bigger and bigger and will ultimately lead you to eternal death. In today's message, Pastor Bill is going to remind you that sin isn't the way to find joy. Jesus is. Jesus is the only thing that will bring true peace and joy into your life. All you have to do is allow Him to come into your heart. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19, he speaks this to those that are wealthy in this life. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may, they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. And God is saying, look, for those that God is blessed in some way, don't let it be something that hinders you. Let it be something that's used as a blessing. You know, that you're sending it up ahead. You're storing it ahead. You're, you're, being, you're being used by God with what he's placed in your care. Over in 2 Timothy 4, 8, Paul, at the end of his life, Paul has served God. He's lived his life. He's, a, he's getting ready to have his head cut off. He's going to die for his faith. He's in prison. And he writes this word in 2 Timothy 4, 8. Finally, there is laid up for me, he says, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not me only, but also all those who love his appearing. Paul says, I'm going I'm to receive the crown of righteousness is laid up for me. And so he's looking forward to imagine being in jail, knowing that death is certain and being encouraged that I got I got rewards coming for, for this. You know, Paul's not complaining. He's saying he's telling us what he has to look forward to. Two more verses. This one's just for pastors, so you can just write this one down. In 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, pastors that serve God faithfully are, are encouraged there that there's reward for that. The Bema Seat judgment is spoken about more in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15. And the last verse I'm going to read to you right now is in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And then we'll we'll get back to Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 5. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Get this, y'all. We got an inheritance in heaven that is incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I love this because it says God is God has said that the inheritance we have is incorruptible. 
It's undefiled. It doesn't fade away. It never wears out. It doesn't get old. And it's reserved in heaven for you and for me. It's being kept by the Lord for us. And so all of that to, to just encourage you guys back to Revelation. Jesus says, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me for those to give to everyone according to his work. Can I can I exhort you any more firmly today? Make sure that you're a part of the work that God is doing. Amen. Find you something to do for the kingdom of God. Find you a ministry. Find you a way to serve God. Find something to do with your gifts and talents and abilities that glorifies God and benefits believers. Find something to do for the Lord. It is Christianity is not a it's not a it's not a, a spectator sort of thing. None of us are called to just watch. No one's called to sit in the pew for their entire existence as a believer and observe. Everybody is called to be a participant. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has spiritual power. Everybody has the same connection to Jesus. It's a matter of our willingness and our obedience. Everybody can do something that matters for eternity. And the church is most the church is more most powerful when everybody's doing their part. When it's 10% of the people doing 100% of the work, church is weak. Just we just not functioning at full capacity, you know? But if we can get everybody doing their part, we can do something. Amen. And so let's move on back to Revelation 22. Now he says in verse 13, Jesus says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Here, this term, this phrase, alpha and omega, is applied to God in chapter 1, verse 8, and chapter 21, verse 6, and here to Christ. Just a sneaky, you know, for anybody that says, oh, I want to show someone the deity of Christ in Revelation. This is a way you could do it. You could say, hey, let's look at chapter one, verse eight, where it says Alpha and Omega and it's God. You, you, you know, you ask the Jehovah's Witness, if, if you will. Is, is this speaking of God? Yes, it is. Can't, can't deny it. And then look at it twenty-one six. Is this speaking of God? Yes, it is. Well, here explicitly we're told the Alpha and Omega is referring to Jesus Christ. It says Jesus is speaking. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Uh, those are the, the Greek alphabets. That's their A and their Z. He says, I'm the beginning and the end of all of this. I instigated. I began it. I'm going to end it. End it. It began with me. I'm going to bring it to conclusion. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Why is this significant to us? Because everybody here is and we know that the, there's an end coming. Amen. There's an end to your life coming. There's an end to this world coming. There's he began and he said, look, if you go back to the very beginning when everything was created, I was there. Right. I was he was there in creation. We know that we're going to we're going to be in Colossians pretty soon and we're going to learn more about that. He said I was there in the beginning. I created all things. Everything was made through me and by me and for me. And now he says, and I'm the end, too. It's all going to conclude with me. And so if there's somebody you want to get straight with before you exit, who is it? It's him. He's the beginning and the end. That's it. That's who you want to get right with. There's there's no other person, you know, deity or thing that equates to who God is. God says, look, it all begins and it ends with me. And that's why we're encouraged, why we preach Jesus, why we proclaim the name of Jesus, why we point people to Jesus, why we are very clear that there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. Any other belief, practice, religion is false. It won't get you where you want to go. There are not multiple ways to heaven. There is one way to heaven. It's through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Look at verse 14. Now it says, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life 
and may enter through the gates into the city. That word blessed here means happy. Blessed or happy are those who do his commandments. Once again, we're not doing his commandments in order to earn eternal life. It's an evidence that we have received eternal life, that we have been saved. Blessed, happy are those. Here's the thing. Some people think that they do all the things that God tells them to do, that they're going to be bummed out. Some people think God's rules are, if I do everything God says do, man, it's, uh, it's going to be boring. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be able to have fun with my friends or whatever, which is not true, right? Some of us have tried to do, uh, anybody here done both? Right? Let me speak. If anybody's listening, you young people, hear me out. I did both. I did everything I wanted to do regardless of what God said. I, I was like, that looks fun. I'm going to do that. I did that. And then I got saved and I was like, God, I'm going to do it your way. And I, I'm, I'm going to just spill the beans, right? When I did everything I wanted to do, I was not happy. I had moments of happiness, but it was fleeting. I, I learned this, that the, the things I did to make myself happy always had a price tag on them. Who can, who can, who can concur, right? Yeah, I, I did it. It was fun. And then, and then the price tag came. And then it was like, oh, man, I got to pay that. I got I to gotta suffer that for that, you know? Then I give my life to Christ and I'm, I'm observing the rules. Okay, I can't do that. No more getting drunk. No more, you know, running with all these different ladies. And now, okay, well, then I need to get married. And then, and I, I really couldn't see a life without alcohol. I thought that was the only way to have a good time. Can I tell you that I've never stopped laughing? Like, God didn't take away my sense of mind. I, I used to think that fun was attached to drinking, but God's like, no, that, that's just who you are, right? I'm, I'm, I have my fun and I'm be 100% sober, right? I don't, need, I don't need to be out of my mind in order to have a good time. Do you understand the, the messed up, how broken it is? If, in order for you to have a good time, you got to be out of your mind. That means that you're never content and happy in your own person. That's a lie of the enemy, right? But that's the lie that Satan sells. Every time you look at TV, every time you look at a television show, every time you look at commercials, good times always have alcohol. That, that's the world saying, this is what a good time looks like. That's a lie. You have a great time without none of that, without any of the addictions, any of the bondages that come with it. And so blessed, happy is are those who do his commandments. Here it says, God says that they may have a right to the tree of life. We're going to have access in heaven to some things that nobody else has access to. Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden before they tasted of the tree of life. We're going to get to eat of that tree. We're going to get the, we're going to have access to the tree of life. We learned yet. We learned last week. How many fruits are on that tree? How many, how many different fruit did that tree bear? 12, right? Y'all think it's going to be bomb fruit? I mean, I, I, I can only, I mean, there's fruit that I like down here. Amen. I can only imagine heavenly fruit, a tree that bells, but 12 different fruits. And I just, I'm just going to just, I'm just going to assume it's going to be heavenly. It's going to be amazing. I do know we get to eat in heaven, right? It wouldn't be fruit there if we couldn't eat. So anyway, that's another story. So we have a right to the tree of life and that we may enter in, enter through the great, the gates into the city. Uh, we'll have entrance into this city that God has created, this eternal place for us to dwell in his presence with those who love him. So that's what the believers have to look forward to. But now, and I told you guys earlier, we're going to look at those who are outside. There are some people that are outside. This means that they didn't make it to heaven. If you're outside, that means you didn't go to heaven. That means you died without Christ. That meant that Jesus wasn't Lord. That meant that you loved something else. And so these are those that are outside. Look at verse 15. I'm going to read the whole thing and come back and explain because some of these words might get you. So, But outside are dogs. And that's not talking about your pit bulls and chihuahuas. We'll come back to that. And sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. 
So let me walk through these words with you guys real quick. And uh, hopefully, uh, here's the thing, because this is future. If you find yourself on this list, then you know that today you need to repent and be forgiven and come to Jesus. If you're watching this online and you hear this, if you're hearing this later on and you hear this section right here, God is saying, I'm letting you know those that didn't make it. I'm letting you know those that are outside. They don't go to heaven. They died and went to hell. They're not with me in the eternal place. These people right here. First, outside are dogs. Now, if you look that up, there's, there's a few different thoughts on this. Some people think this, this term is used a few different ways in, in the, throughout Scripture. So in Deuteronomy, if you're a note taker, in Deuteronomy 23, verses 17 and 18, it's use of a male prostitute. I'll read the verses to you. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God or any vow or even uh, for even both. These are an abomination unto the Lord God. And so the, the term, the way it's used there is it's, it's a male prostitute, someone that yes, has sold themselves for sexual favors for money it's used in matthew 15 26 of unclean gentiles it's used in philippians 3 2 of those judaizers those that were corrupting the faith of others where it said beware of dogs beware of evil workers beware of the of the, of the uncircum of the circumcision so it's used in a few different ways here's what we can know there's a the connotation here is of sex someone sexually immoral Someone that's not committed to walking with the Lord. It says dogs. Those, those, they're outside. Uh, again, specifically, a male prostitute is what's, what's referred to in two places. So that's what I'm going with. The next word on the list is sorcerers. The Greek word here, pharmakos, is pertaining to magical arts or, or drugs. And one place it defines it as someone who, who, who deals with spell giving potions, one who prepares or uses magical remedies or mind altering drugs. So let me just say this, right? If someone is having a drug addiction, someone is 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 regularly partaking in mind altering drugs. Also, there are people that use drugs in spiritual worship. There are people that use drugs to get their mind altered to get into another space. All of these things God is saying, look, you're not going to make it. Now, I want to address one thing that's common in our culture and it's a question that comes up all the time. What about weed? Right? Ain't it ain't it ain't it legal now? Huh? Y'all quiet? Ooh. Anybody here? Don't, don't raise your hand if you smoke it, right? But I'm gonna talk about it. So so what about what if it, what about marijuana? Is it okay if we're Christians? Is it okay to well hold on? Hold, but God made it. Right? It grew, it grew, it's a seed, it grew right out the ground like my apple tree, right? God also made the trees and made cocaine and all the rest. So here's the thing. Anything that you're taking that is altering your mind is not God's will for your life. God wants you to be of a sound mind. God wants us to be under the power and authority and control of the Holy Spirit. You can't be led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, directed by the Spirit if you're consuming drugs or alcohol or things that are altering your mind. You're under those their influence. If you get pulled over high or drunk, you get a DUI, driving under the what? Not of the influence of the Holy Spirit, of the influence of whatever you consume that got you looking funny in the eyeballs. So here he says that these people are not going to make it. So if this is a habit, a challenge, a struggle, I'm not beating you up. I love you. 
I used to be addicted to alcohol, right? Nobody beat me up. That's not how come I got saved. I got saved because I knew I was going to hell. I needed to be forgiven. God delivered me from that. God will deliver you too. He will forgive you for it. He will give you power to overcome it. You, you may never be able to overcome it in your own strength. You may try and fail, try and fail. You need to come to Jesus first. Ask him to forgive you of your sins first. Ask him to be your, your heavenly father first. Be reconciled to God first. Let God work from the inside out. He'll give you strength and power to overcome that you don't have apart from him. Right. The Bible says that God works in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. And until God came and lived inside me, I didn't want to do and I didn't have the power to do those things in the first place. And so I'm not putting anybody down, but I do want to warn because that's what I'm supposed to do here. It says, look, drug addicts, those that are preparing drugs, taking drugs and using drugs and spiritual forms of worship. They're outside. Any group that God is saying is outside, I do not want to be a part of. Amen. And DC, I want you to hear this, too, because some people think, oh, that's so judgmental. The Bible. So, you know, no, no, this is merciful. God is saying, look, I'm telling you in advance so you don't end up here. Uh, this is it, it'd be messed up if God just let the chip fall where they may. Right. Because most of us would have fallen outside. But God says, look, I'm I'm doing you a solid. I'm letting you know in advance so that you can get ready so you can prepare. So you might you might realize, oh, I didn't know that was an issue, but now I know it's an issue and you can get forgiven and you can walk out of this place today. You can walk away from television or computer, or the phone, whatever you watch. You can walk away today forgiven, cleansed and right with the Lord if you desire. And so know that this is not judgmental. This is information so that you won't be judged in the future. Outside are dogs, sorcerers. Then it says plainly sexually immoral. The Greek word is pornos, where we get our English word pornography again. Under the definitions here, it's one who indulges in unlawful sexual intercourse, fornication, also prostitution, someone that prostitutes their body, lust for hire. Any here's the thing with, with sexual sin. Any any sex that's outside of your marriage is is going to be illicit. Right. If you're not a married, if you're a married person, if you're married, who can you have sex with? Yeah, no, oh, that's that's. Let me think. If you're married, you can have sex with the person you married. Amen? amen. Say amen if you're married. Say it like it, like it. All right. So if you're married, you can have sex with the person you and you should be having sex with the person you're married to. I just want to throw that out there. All right. If you're married, that's 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 where it's supposed to go down. As regular as y'all can make it happen, right? Now, if you are unmarried, is there any situation where an unmarried person should be having any kind of sex with any? No. None at all. <laughs> no sex for the unmarried whatsoever. Then, if you guys are doing the Bible reading, we got in the last week, we were covering 1 Corinthians 7, and it says, if you're burning with passion, what should you do? You get married, right? Better to marry than to burn. So, so my encouragement to my single brothers and sisters, God loves you. He loves you. And if, if that's a challenge and you can start praying that God would give you victory over the flesh, and in, in his time and that he would show you who he has for you. But we don't want to because we live in a world that is blatantly sexually just illicit. The, the, our world does whatever they want to do with their bodies. We got to be careful that we live in this world, that we don't follow suit, that we don't do what we see done in, in, in the world in which we live. And so our, our world is very, you know, again, it does whatever it wants to do. People lay with who they want. You can't take that and live that way and think that it's going to be okay with God who has explicitly told us you can't live like that and expect to make it into heaven. So he tells us that plainly. 
So any sexual immorality, this would encompass homosexuality. This is wrong on a whole nother level. So any any sort of sexual engagement that's outside of what God prescribed. God prescribed sex for a husband and wife, male and female, in the confines of marriage. It is blessed, commanded, encouraged. Everywhere else, it is forbidden and condemned. So moving on. So that's the sexually immoral. Next it says murders. The, the definition here is those who commit intentional homicide. So folk out there killing people. If you're a murderer, can a murderer be forgiven? Yes. Yeah. But if you are an unrepentant murderer, you're going to be outside. So someone that's this, this, you know, intentional homicide. This is not. We had a discussion yesterday, the difference between killing and murder. There is a distinction. Murder is is really something out of my heart. Murder is I hate you. I'm I'm taking something from you. I'm I'm, I'm it's it's born out of something in my heart to you. Now, if someone breaks in your house and coming to do harm to your family, and in the process of protecting your family, you kill them, you have not murdered. That is killing is different than murder. If a police officer in the line of duty in a legitimate situation to save life kills someone, that is not murder. But if your heart is full of hatred or some kind of animosity and you kill someone, or you shoot them, or you, you take their life away, then you, you've murdered them. It says no murderer is going to inherit the kingdom. Again, everything on this list is forgivable. But if you go on in your sin thinking that I'm going to do what I want to do, I'm going to be, I'm going to live a sexual moral life, I'm going to continue in my drugs, I'm going to continue to, God says that you're going to be outside. And, and he's letting us know. Then he says idolaters. This is a worshiper of false gods, or is a covetous man, a worshiper of mammon. So an idolater is someone that idolatry is putting something before God where God should be on the throne of our hearts, worship above everything else. If you put something above God and you worship it, here's the best way you identify idolatry. If there's something that you love so much, you'll sin against God to have it, keep it. That's an idol for you, right? We're not, we're not coming from the day where we're putting up images and idols that we look at, but people put up idols and images in different ways. If there's something in your life that you would elevate above God, that you would say, I love that so much that I will willingly sin against God to have it, to keep it, to maintain it. That's an idol. Um, God says, if you live like that, if you maintain that, if you keep that idol, um, that's idolatry. No idolater is going to make it. That's got to come to whatever that is. If there's something there in your life that's, that's reigning over and above the Lord, you got to tear that down and put that in its place. No idolater will inherit the kingdom. Then the last thing which encompasses a lot. It says, whoever loves and practices a lie. Every false religion, every false belief, every false practice, everything that's something different than coming to Jesus, whoever loves and practices a lie. So if I've had people ask, well, what about, you know, your Jehovah's Witness, your Mormon? They, they're so sincere. Won't God like honor their sincerity? No, he won't. God won't honor your sincerity. It doesn't matter how sincere you are if you're wrong with what you believe. Amen. If you believe, if you if you love and practice a lie. So for the person that says, I got my own form of spirituality. You know, I love God. God knows who I am. I got my own thing with God and I don't need church. I don't, they don't need the Bible. I, I got my own thing. That's they, they, that person practices. That's practicing a lie. Right. They're making up it as they go. They're making up their own religion as they go. God said, look, if you love and practice a lie, you're not going to make it. It's one way to get to heaven, and it's through the person of who? And I want y'all to know that. I want y'all to know that like, I mean, I want you to know that like you, I'm, I, I, I say, there are things I want to know. I know that I'm black, amen? Y'all see that? Right? I'm black. I, I need to know I'm saved like I know I'm black. I need to know, there's some things I need to know without a shadow of a doubt. There's, there's no question about this. Y'all need to know that there's one way 
is through Jesus. There'll never be another way. Any other way offered is a false way. And that's the way we point everybody is to Jesus Christ. Amen. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Revelation can seem like a long book to work through, but it's all in the attitude you approach it. If you look at it as something amazing and inspiring that God has gifted to you to understand Him better, it helps you see everything with a different lens. Revelation is cool. It's a mashup of all the best elements of a sci-fi movie. But in reality, it will bring an amazing resolution to all that's wrong in the world. Isn't that what we all want? Look at the book of Revelation with appreciation of who God is and that He's the one in control. If you'd like to listen to more teachings in Revelation, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you're wanting to connect with someone more personally about this ministry, go ahead and call or text us at 310-245-4811. We'd love to encourage you as you're seeking God for wisdom, insight, and understanding. So please pick up that phone and dial or text 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this fascinating final book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today, and Pastor Bill will be back with more next time in the book of Revelation. Until then, Remember who God has created you to be in this broken and fallen world. Don't lose heart and stay connected to a transforming word.